Our focus text today comes from the book of Genesis. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that, you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile, and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in all the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows, but when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had done so, for they, will, they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time, and I saw in my dream seven ears of grain, full and good, growing on the stock, and seven ears withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, but when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years as the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them, there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. And doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous, plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. The food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone else like this, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. 
Removing his signet ring from his hand, Pharaoh put it on Joseph's hand. He arrayed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in the chariot of his second in command, and they cried out in front of him, Bow the knee! Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephaniah Paneah, and he gave him Asthana, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, as his wife. Thus Joseph gained authority over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. The word of the day is covenant. Play along with me. Repeat that word out loud. Covenant. One more time. <laughs> Did you do it? Covenant. Yeah. Covenant is an important concept to understand anytime you read any biblical story, especially any story in the Hebrew Bible. That is the Old Testament. So think about it this way. A covenant is an agreement. It's a contract between God and a person or people. In this agreement, God makes promises and people make commitments. And God will keep God's promises as long as people keep their commitments. In the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, God makes covenants four times with the end goal and purpose always being that the world will be blessed through the people that have made these commitments to God. Now, at the risk of way oversimplifying this concept, you can say that a covenant is a conditional agreement. If you follow the terms of the agreement, you will be blessed. And if you don't, well, you won't be. Do good, be blessed. Do bad, be cursed. <laughs> you need to know what a covenant is because this concept is operating in the back of so many biblical stories and I would say that it's still operating in our own stories of faith. So let me give you some examples. When the nation of Israel is destroyed and deported to Babylon in 586 BCE, it was a horrendous event for the people going through that. The biblical authors made sense of this awful event by saying things like, Oh, this is happening because we failed to live up to the terms of the covenant. The prophets of Israel said that the people turned away from God, that they did not practice justice in their community, and that they neglected the poor and the widow, and, and so this is happening. In the Gospel stories, Jesus and his disciples come across a blind man, and Jesus' disciples ask him, well, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? <laughs> I mean, like, why would you assume that? Well, because a good God does not let something terrible, like being born blind, happen to an innocent person. A God of the covenant, a God of justice, acts justly. This idea of covenant, do good, be blessed, do bad, be cursed, 
it is still central to people's faith today. This idea is behind the Christian prosperity gospel, where the good news is that God will bless you beyond your wildest dreams if you have the right kind of faith in Jesus. And so, if your faith is strong enough, you can overcome your addiction. If you read your Bible, vote in a particular way, give money to a specific ministry, and practice purity culture, maybe just to name a few things, well, then things will go well for you. And so I, it makes sense for me, I guess, to, to assume that people hear Joseph's story that we read today, hear how he rises out of slavery and prison to be Pharaoh's second in command over all of Egypt and go, yeah, well, you see? You see what happens? You see what happens when you have faith? You see what happens when you don't doubt? You see what happens when your belief in God is strong? I mean, God will bless you with riches and power and all kinds of good things. <laughs> Joseph gets a happily ever after. Joseph is a model for us, and we should follow him and do the same. Yeah, I think I've heard a sermon or two that goes like that before. <laughs> As part of my job, I've officiated at many weddings. Generally speaking, I enjoy working with couples. Not every couple, though. <laughs> I mean, there, there have been a few that have, well, been less than fun, but not that many. Well, to be honest with you, though, many of the couples I have worked with are a blur to me. They all run together. I can't remember all the details or even all the people that I've met over the last 15 years. But I do remember one. I remember one couple very, very well. They were great. They were young. They were fun. They had an, an interesting origin story. I knew actually one of the parents, so there was a personal connection for me as well. That, that's always just a bonus. She was an elementary school teacher, and they were planning this fairy tale kind of wedding. It was creative. The energy was positive, and I can't adequately articulate how fun it is to be a part of an event like that. But several months before the wedding date, I got a call letting me know that she had taken her life in the basement of her home. The guests who were planning to attend her wedding became the guests that attended her funeral. And my wedding message turned into a funeral message. And there are no words that can make sense of this or make it okay. For people who grow up in a religious household or who have a faith life, who knowingly or unknowingly have the concept of covenant kind of running in the background, when tragedy strikes close to home, Oh, it makes it hard to have faith in or a relationship with the covenantal God of the Bible. Do good, be blessed. Do bad, be cursed. What if your story does not have a happy ending like Joseph's story? Is it that person's fault? Were they too bad? Did they lack sufficient faith? Did they have a poor relationship with God? Now, we might be willing to go down that road with others who are distant from us, but we're not willing to do that with our close family. 
People walk away from their faith for many reasons. This is one of them. First, I don't think that this is the message the story of Joseph is trying to communicate. That God moves him out of suffering to happily ever after because he never questioned his faith or God's intention. I'll get to that in a second. First though, I want to show you something, especially to all of you who have stories that don't end with happily ever after, like Joseph's story, and have this concept of covenant playing in the background of your faith. I want to read to you two short passages, and I want you to hear the tension between the two. I want you to live in this tension. The first is Psalm 111. And it goes like this. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. Okay? Now, from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. Listen, God has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone, he turns his hand again and again all day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has besieged me and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has put heavy chains on me. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stones. He has made my path crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He led me off my way and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. I have forgotten what happiness is. The biblical story is not just about faithful people rising out of despair to a good life. It is also about faithful people through no fault of their own, looking for hope and finding none. The story of our faith and the story of our lives are not as simple as do good, be blessed, do bad, be cursed. Sometimes you can do everything right and still end up in darkness. There are times in life when our pain, hurt, and anger are so intense that they prohibit us from seeing hope. And at these times, we need a voice that can speak truth to our experiences. This voice that we're looking for. <laughs> it's called the lament. And our Bible is filled with them. They are the voices of those in pain, the voices of the suffering, the voices of the addicts, the voices of the abused, the voices of the ones who outright question the goodness of God, even the existence of God. These laments are a much a prayer as they are a complaint against God. And for those of us who are in similar places in life, this utterance of faith can mean the world as we come to learn that faith is not just about feeling pleasant or happy or even seeing God's goodness all the time. Rather, faith is about knowing that God is with us, 
even when we are unable to confess such a thing to be true. The story of Joseph is not a story of a man overcoming his struggles to earn rewards and blessings because he never doubts God. Oh man, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there is lament in Joseph's life. This is a story about a man encountering God in the pit, in his enslavement, and in the jail cell. It is, the, it is in the darkness that God continues to come to Joseph, and as he leans into his struggles, he forms relationships with the people who are there in those dark places with him, and it's in that that leads to unexpected events. A ruler who is not from Israel, who does not worship the God of Israel, yet one who receives dreams from God, comes to know Joseph. And through this unlikely pair, the world is blessed as Egypt makes preparations to feed many in the midst of famine. <laughs> I mean, here's my takeaway from Joseph's story from the biblical story as a whole, from the story that we continue to encounter of, of Jesus. God's passion for the world is found in all parts of life, and a faith that is mature, a faith that comes to experience the presence of God, is a faith that loves the world by not only proclaiming hope, but also by leaning into and bearing the suffering of loss and brokenness. The story of Joseph teaches me that God acts in unexpected ways and that each of us, every day, have the opportunity to be fully present to the people in our lives, to the people who are living their best life and to the people who have nothing left to live for. And it's in being present to and for one another that God brings life and healing to our world and to our own lives. Often in such unexpected ways. <laughs> this is the good news that we hear today. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. After hearing today's focused text and hearing the reflection on those, here are a couple additional reflection questions for you to take this story and apply it more intentionally to your life. Question number one, what is your feeling and understanding of the biblical term covenant? Do you believe God blesses some and not others depending on the sincerity and depth of one's faith? And question number two is this, on the cross, Jesus is the best friend to anyone who suffers in this world as he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you felt forsaken by God? How do you feel knowing that there is a voice in the Bible that speaks to that?